Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Foodies, we got a movie episode for you today. You know, we got first cuts and then we got movies. So today is a movie episode, and that movie is Fatso. I'm joined by my friend, my P.S. I Love Hoffman co-host, and host of High School Slumber Party, Brian Rodriguez. If you don't know his name by now... This is either your first time listening to this and you know definitely one of the first podcasts you're listening to as part of the Cage Club Podcast Network because he is by far the most senior guest in the sense of how many times he's guested on Foodie Films episodes. And uh, like I said, we've got a podcast together. He's got his own, so know the man's name already, all right? But anyway... As we do, as the reason we start all of our podcasts, we love talking movies. We do that in general, and that's why we were like, well, we should just start recording them. So he's always a, he's one of my best friends, so it's just always a great time talking movies with him. And we love, we love Dom DeLuise. And this is a movie he had never seen before. So I was excited to talk about it with him. And anything else before I start playing our conversation? Oh. So, made sure to take a note of this. We recorded a few weeks ago, and as I say in the episode, it's it was Mel Brooks's birthday. And then I go on to reference Carl Reiner, the late Carl Reiner. At that time, it was what a a day, two days before he passed away. So I I could have it's, this is not, you're going to hear it, it's not a deep conversation, it's just my commenting on the great comedic generation of Mel Brooks, Carl Reiner, Dick Van Dyke, Dom DeLuise, all these, Sid Caesar, all of those guys, and uh, so I just said Carl Reiner's name out of appreciation, I'm not trying to make a joke out of it, I don't think I jinxed him in any kind of way, he was just a tremendous man Fighting the good fight up until the end. If you saw that picture of him, his daughter, and Mel Brooks in bed wearing t-shirts that say Black Lives Matter. That's all you need to know about the guy. Just a tremendous individual. Um, I uh, tried to honor him 
on the day of his death by watching The Jerk and, uh, you know, him and Mel Brooks are such, uh, just, they're best friends and just their friendship is truly inspiring and they would just always have dinner together and a lot of deli sandwiches. So I went into the city and went to Katz's and got a pastrami sandwich and watched his, uh, the film he directed and had a cameo as himself in The Jerk. Not that it means anything to you, Carl, wherever you are. Um, this episode is dedicated to you. And you're going to hear it in the episode, but the reason he's brought up, Mel Brooks has brought up, this movie is directed by the amazing, the impeccable Anne Bancroft, the, you know, the late Anne Bancroft, Mel Brooks's wife. So, uh, Carl, this is dedicated to you and to you as well, Miss Bancroft. Uh, thank you for the many laughs and just and just your art. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So without further ado, I don't know who's Mel, I don't know who's Carl. Uh, I guess we'll see who dies first, but here's one of my best friends, Brian Rodriguez, and I talking fatso. All right, Brian, thanks for coming back on Foodie Films. It is it is the summertime, and I mean, this isn't... I don't know why I'm. I don't know why I'm saying it's the summertime. It's not a summer movie. It's not like a like a. I was like, where is he going with ball. this? Yeah, there's, there's, I'm not going anywhere with it. It's the summertime, so my brain's not working. Maybe that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> uh, how's 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 your summer? What's going on? I mean, it's going as good as it possibly can go. Obviously, a little different summer this year than usual, but making the most of it. That's for sure. I'm not sure when this episode airs. I, I don't want to say, oh, things are getting better, things are opening, and then you air the episode and we're in the apocalypse again. So you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not to not 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 to uh, be mean towards anybody, but that would be like obviously the situation if we were in, uh, let's say, Texas, perhaps. So, so you just uh, you, you never you never know. Never know. It's for sure. Well, with it being the summertime, I know you you like to, as as well uh, as myself, like to take little weekend adventures when we can, and especially with uh, not being able to travel internationally and all that. Uh, so you got you guys were up in the uh, like Hudson Valley, and then even all the way like upstate, kind of by like Cooperstown again, right? Yes, as you know, my wife's family has property up in Herkimer County, so do like going up there. They're in a different phase. They're in, a, I think, phase four now, and every state's different, so it might be irrelevant to your listeners. But they didn't have too many cases up there, so was able to enjoy ourselves a little bit more and, you know, a lot of land, less people. That was certainly nice. I'm not going to go crazy during this time, though. I know a lot of people out there are. Uh, don't have that opportunity, but it was nice to go to some breweries again. And it, I mean, not, not really. We didn't really eat much of our own food up there. We just cooked. You know, we barbecued a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, but we didn't. Uh, sorry, I meant we didn't really go out to eat. But in terms of the breweries, that was great. Not all of them were open, but some local breweries were open. Cooperstown Brewery being one of them. Um, God, some of the other ones are slipping my mind. Red um, Shed, but right? That was Red Shed was yeah. open. Yes, you picked, I mean, you, I know yeah, you, you picked we've me been up, up a couple there together. Beers. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, I, so, I, I still need to, uh, it, I need to try them. Still, you pick me up that. That's a really cool. I love the the Derek Jeter one. It's like when do I crack that open? Because it's like <laughs> it's like a very it's like a very limited, like truly a limited beer, right? Because it was limited for the Hall of at Fame. least the can is right? right. The can, yeah, exactly. So they were canning for 
for what baseball players that were supposed to make it into the hall of fame this year but since that's canceled uh they usually don't do all the players they usually do players they know they're gonna sell like they had a mariano rivera one gotcha and this is a cheater one that they didn't have everyone but yeah no it's a that's a cool place they have a lot of baseball themed beers there's another brewery outside of utica called woodland farm brewery oh, that you yeah, and i've yeah. also been to great place great little place and they have a they kind of redid the place a little bit, and it was fun to be there, too. And not a lot of people were out. I don't know if I'm ready to be in big crowds yet, that's for sure. But it was, it was nice to, again, get that kind of atmosphere and do those things. And I had a Utica pizza again. Oh, the Utica pizza where the sauce is on top of the cheese, right? Yeah, really give them the sauce. You know, It's interesting. you got to look it up. The, the What's that place, Scott? I should have written this down. I forgot I was going to be on this show. But the Utica Pizza Place, I went to the same one as we did last time. And it, it advertises itself as like the second oldest continually like run pizzeria in the nation. I don't know wow. if it's true. I don't, yeah, I don't know about that either. But it, is there, I felt like I was somewhere else recently and they also like claim in the sense of like, oh, our style is sauce on top of the cheese. I don't know. Uh, apparently, apparently that is the original style, or that was like one of the mother styles. It just did not become so popular in this country. And the pizzeria is Oskunigizo, Oskunigizo Pizzeria. Sounds like a slur. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like someone in the film that we'll be covering today would say to somebody when they're upset. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that pizza, when, yeah, when we went last summer, that was definitely, so it's like a square or rectangular pie, I guess, but square slices, whatever you want to call it. And but this time I had sausage. Oh, and okay, yeah. The we sausage just the is the bottom one. layer. So it's sausage, cheese, tomato sauce? Yes. Not gravy? No, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't call it gravy. But <laughs> Recently we also went to uh, Peekskill to visit our friend... Mr. Larson, but I know you just had him on, or you're going to have him on, and know they're close episodes, so I'm sure you'll talk more about that with him. Or not, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but that's a place we've been to together before. I remember that was, I feel like I got even like a message telling me recently on Facebook that was like four or five years ago, but like that I went up, kind of went up there for the first time and did, what's the name of that taco place? Oh, Taco Dive Bar. Yeah, Taco Dive Bar. And uh, and there's a lot of diving stuff in Peekskill. I wonder if they're known for like maybe a diving competition or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, it's right by the river. <laughs> it's, but... Yeah, I guess right by the river. But yeah, Taco Dive Bar, and then we went to Cold Spring and got. Uh, I mean, well, Peekskill Brewery there, and then we went to Cold Spring and got ice cream, and then we went to. Um, oh, I always mess up. Two Roads is the one in Connecticut, right? Yes. So then, what's the one in? Beacon. Ooh, that was like four years ago. I haven't been back since. Yeah, uh, it's like I think is it two way or two or. Let's see. Let's something. see if I have it on my map. I'm pulling up my Google Maps yeah, to see because I've marked everything down. I just yeah, I have it saved on my Google Maps too. Let's see. Two way, two way, two way. Called. Yeah, okay. So it is two way, not two. Two roads is Connecticut. Two way yes. is in Beacon, New York. Which after yes. I went up there recently. Um, and they they seem to have like a pretty like thriving food scene going on because I started following different Beacon Instagram pages and I mean all those I know you love the Hudson Valley and uh, they just have a pretty good uh, beer trail I feel like well, starting yeah. I all mean, the way Beacon, Beacon is Brooklyn on the Hudson now like no real <laughs> Hudson Valley people apparently live there that's what I was told you know 
it's uh it's becoming very expensive to live which is a shame because that was not the appeal before but there's plenty of other towns that aren't as expensive near there mm-hmm. but you know to have a beacon address these days apparently is the hip thing to have but Ooh. it's a great little town that's for sure a coveted a coveted address of beacon i know like across the, they look down at the people of Newburgh right across whatever bridge that is that's still like considered a kind of like a not ideal place to live but i love that brewery over there that's a cool yeah i mean uh it's a, the beacon newberg bridge so easy to remember oh, there you go okay there's not or newberg beacon bridge one or the other you know <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no again hudson valley's awesome new york state it's a great state you get why they call it like the empire state because you have the city which everyone knows and everyone you know knows what it's all about but as you go off into the empire you know it, it feels like there's a difference in um, just just the way the, the the regions are different and what they do and what they provide. There's no, I mean, you can't compare Buffalo to New York City or Syracuse. So there's never like you're never going to get a city like that in New York State. But you're going to get a lot of these little cities with their own distinct culture and their own distinct food, and certainly the brewery scene has has livened up. When we first started going to breweries, there was there was like forty something breweries in the entire New York State, and now it's like three or four hundred. That's crazy. So, That's absolutely crazy. <laughs> I'm not complaining. No, no, I w- I kind of wish. I mean, I know they are like you know a decent amount of space like between them, and then you'll have like a few that are kind of uh, clustered together. But it'd be cool if like there was a organized like beacon, like if there was like a bus or something, like like we saw in Asheville, like how they did those. Uh, yeah, I just want one town to do what the, what Asheville's done. Like, I think I, I might have been talking about this with you or someone else, but like, like Utica, which I go up to a lot. Like, yeah, yeah I wish they saying, just yeah. opened like four or five breweries in Utica that were walking distance. That would be nice. I know I'm spoiled, but how great would that be? You know, just having like a like Asheville has like a walking brewery scene. Exactly. Like like you said, there's not going to be another city in. I mean, arguably, then even in the world that'll then you know start anew or become to the level of new york city so yet alone in in its own state but you can have these cities that have the potential of growing into like these funky cool cities that have a great food and drink scene and art scene and so utica has a lot i mean a lot of the cities have the potential for it but utica in particular just when we went up there and seeing like what what they're doing but yeah utica i mean beacon's already like getting that way but then you have other Rust Belt cities, and even you would you would think that even like I don't know Albany in some kind of way would maybe start stepping up their game as the state capital. But who am I to talk because my state capital is <laughs> so. I mean, who knows if they even want that, right? Yeah, maybe that's they a good like point. Their yeah. little corner, you know, not everyone is meant to build. I, I mean, I would love it, but not everyone is meant to build their towns to cater to us, you know, urban or city folk <laughs> <laughs> who are trying to take a trip. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 true. That's true. Well, I mean, like you said, like even up by Herkimer and Cooperstown, they weren't affected long, but they still, um, you know, I, I think right after you were up there, then then uh, Omegang reopened, mm-hmm. even though they have a large amount of property. But I mean, maybe they just didn't want to get overflowed by people from North Jersey or from New York City, and take you know, obviously during the pandemic, you got a lot. Yeah, perhaps. Lot of things I mean. Going. As soon as it, things opened up in the city, or as soon as they could, they did. But that doesn't seem to be the case upstate, which is fine. People do things at your own pace, have your own comfort level. 
Um, you know, it is what it is, and I'm happy things are opening up, but that's no excuse, like, to rush yourselves into a situation you're not prepared for, whether it be financially, health-wise, or whatever, you know. Uh, As we speak, there's a lot of, you know, rising COVID cases in a lot of states. Some states like Texas have had to shut down their bars. So, you know, let's not rush things either. I want these things. I need these things in my life, but I'm willing to wait if it means, you know, a, a healthier populace. Yeah, we're in it for the long game. <laughs> well, uh, I kind of hinted at it before, but the movie we're talking today is Fatso. Had you seen it before, and what's your overall like thoughts on the film? I had not seen it before. I hadn't even heard of it before. I just Googled foodie films like movies you know mm-hmm. and this is what what came up i love dom deluise i know you're a big dom deluise fan i figured it'd be fun to talk about i thought it was going to be more of a light-hearted funny piece it it wasn't i mean not that it wasn't funny i don't want to say that but it certainly dealt with a lot of serious matters yeah um yeah yeah no i mean it's not no pun intended it's, it's heavy-hearted like it's just uh or there's i'm sorry there's a really bad pun intended with that but that's just uh it one of the biggest things i have with this film and i I read some reviews on it and while i like this film it i did have a hard time separating like the comedy from the drama it starts off funny like it feels like i mean you know i'll sure i'm just gonna reference a lot to mel brooks films since dom dealies was in plenty of them it just has this vibe to it. Or even, I actually kind of had a similar vibe. It kind of reminds me of uh, Back to School. And in the beginning of that movie, like a young mm. Roddy Dangerfield. And that, I mean, that's definitely also like weight driven because I think, oh, I forget the name of his company in that movie. It's like something that he makes, you know, it's something, of course, rude because it's Rodney Dangerfield. I know we both <laughs> love Rodney Dangerfield, but he makes like clothing for extra, extra large people. And then it just goes through this whole, oh, like, wow. sh- showing the pictures o- over, over you know, time until he's the age of actual Rodney Dangerfield. But that's, like, what this movie did. It just starts off with this baby that's crying and then just, like, you know, breastfeeding until he's happy. And then we just go through this whole timeline of pictures and then seeing uh, a young Dominic, who's, you know, Dom DeLuise's character. He's, yeah, breastfeeding and then eating, you know, he's sad, so then they hand him a cannoli. Then he gets peed on by his baby brother and they hand him a piece of bread with butter. He's had his communion and his cousin gives him a chocolate bar. And then they all have what I'm assuming was chicken pox, measles, I don't know. And he's eating spaghetti in bed. And so it's just always like, so it's just supposed to be this light funniness and then cut to the opening, like the main scene is that his cousin, Salvatore, who we saw give him, like, a chocolate bar at their communion or whatever, died at the age of, I think they said, 38 due to heart attack, due to obesity. Mm-hmm. And between that acting, but even that scene, it's weird because Dom DeLuise, like, I'm not trying to take away from his acting capabilities or I just don't know what he was depending on in that scene because then when he goes and he's tasting the sauce it's like it's kind of funny but then you get Anne Bancroft coming in who's the director and the writer and plays his sister in this movie is just like dramatic and crying and low you know 
leaning over the coffin and it's just like boy like i just i i, for, I had seen this movie before but i forgot how it just starts so harsh in a way yeah i mean it's not of the list i submitted for you to be like oh i could i could guest on any of these films Probably looking back, like I wish you picked a different one, but it's <laughs> not that I hated it. I actually liked it more than I thought I was going to like it from reading like what you were reading, like the reviews and the background and stuff. Mm-hmm. However, that's really what it suffers from, tone. And it really reminds me of another movie on another podcast you and I talked about uh, recently on our PSI Love Hoffman podcast. I was going to say that, yeah. God's Pocket. And there's no... It's not a coincidence to me that that is also the directorial debut of an actor directing. And that was John Slattery in that film directing some really good talents. This is Anne Bancroft in this film directing some really good talents. I don't know if there's a correlation there, but it certainly feels like it, right? And that's not to say actors can't direct. Some of the best directors are actors. And and vice versa sometimes. Well, not really. But, you know, at least... (laughs) There's, like, you know, Robert Redford is a great director. Uh, Clint Eastwood's a great director. Like, these are people who have made that transition. Maybe it's a little unfair to judge Anne Bancroft on this, but some of these inconsistencies with tone, I think, might come from that, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I'd say definitely. I mean, she is a phenomenal actor, has been, like, you know, there's no questioning her acting, you know, real in any way whatsoever, especially, uh, uh, you know, at this point in 1980 when the movie comes out. But Dom DeLuise, like, supposedly he had some early on, like, serious roles, maybe, like, on television or, like, one or two movies. But for the most part, he was known as a comedian. And, hey, like, also, like, I mean, there's other comedians that, turn in terrific dramatic work but here he's just so supposedly he was just one of the nicest guys like that's one of the biggest things like this movie too it's just like he just seems like the sweetest guy like that is the role he's playing and i think that that he plays it well because he was that in real life and so he's sweet in the movie and he just has these expressions and when he's Again, going in when she's crying over her, you know, their cousin's body and he's stirring the sauce, adds a little pepper and then dips the piece of bread in and then dips it into the Parmesan. Like, it it just seems like a funny thing while, like, it is meant to show his addiction and his way of grieving and comforting himself. It just wasn't... So, I I don't know if that's, you know... I, I think it's multiple people's lack of a better word, fault, why maybe it tonally didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to criticize his acting because, again, he's a generational comedic talent, and I'm not convinced that he couldn't have done dramas. But I find that... (sighs) Look, I'm not an expert. I I feel arrogant talking like this, but there's two schools of thought, right, if you want to transition a comedian into, into dramatic roles. You could go like the Pete Davidson route and he plays characters who are very close to his personality yeah. and it seems to work so far for him but I feel like that works if you kind of have an edge to you if you're kind of like I don't want to say a bad guy that sounds bad but I don't know 
Dom DeLuise, you're right. He's such a nice guy. And this role, his name is Dominic. He's Italian. He's playing a fat guy. Dom DeLuise is obviously a fat guy. We're not going to say he's not, you know. It's almost too close to him. I don't think this was his story. But I would like to have seen him push the envelope more in a different kind of role if he wanted to make a dramatic switch. Maybe that wasn't the goal. Who knows? I know Anne Bancroft is actually Italian. He's Italian. I think they obviously want to show a lot of the culture, which I didn't mind. I actually liked seeing a lot of the cultural aspects here. This is a very Italian movie, but also a very a movie where religion matters and stuff like that. Very old-fashioned. I was shocked when I saw it's from 1980. It yeah. feels like it's almost from 1970 or 1960, you know? Yeah, really, one of, the, one of the big things I wrote down, like, not about a scene, but just what I was observing, was just, like, it's such a weird transition period in style, like, the way they're filming it, in style in the sense of clothing, and then just a transition period of values like it it a few moments yeah it does seem like it's since it since it came out in 1980 it seems like it's closer to a like they're doing a period piece of the 60s or just what in my mind like those neighborhoods were past that at that point of walking down the block and saying hi to everybody and like stop along the way and get an apple and just like yeah, it's very like Godfather Two. Yeah, like yeah, like Vito arrive in New York. You know, <laughs> it's those values. And you mentioned Mel Brooks, of course. Um, he's his wife for many years is Anne Bancroft until her death. So obviously, there's a connection there with Dom DeLuise. I don't know. I didn't really do a lot of research on like the making of this film. Um, is there a lot of scholarship? I'm no, not sure. there's not a lot of scholarship <laughs> at all. Um, so I'm not as like, I don't want to dissuade... I know Anne Bancroft is dead, so I'm not saying that. But I don't want to dissuade people like Anne Bancroft from making things like this. I She won almost every acting prize you can win. Why not step into directing? Your husband's a director. You're probably hanging out with a lot of directors there. I think, again, she's super talented. This is a good first effort, you know? Yeah. I, I don't think it's as, as bad as people said. It just it has tone issues. But I, I'd like to see... Um, you know, where more of the writing goes. I'm also surprised, like, this would be the story that she would write. You know, it doesn't seem... I don't know, it doesn't seem like a story that... The italian yes, but the very serious aspect of, of you know, food dependency and stuff, like, that doesn't seem very Anne Bancroft-y. I don't know much about her. Maybe she did struggle with this. I, I'm just fascinated with the behind-the-scenes of this movie. Like, how did we get here? Yeah, I mean, so... She, her mother's maiden name is um, Dom DeLuise's character's name in the movie, Di uh, Napoli. So this definitely gotcha. had some like close, you know this this was a personal story to her. And now I don't know if, as a close friend in Dom DeLuise, if that if they had conversations about then what he experienced and they kind of combined their two stories. I mean, this was the, um, so it was, you know, it was her directorial debut and then own, ended up being the only movie she ever directed. Um, which is a shame. Like, I don't want to, like, it's not so bad that she used to quit directing, you know? No. Unless she I, just didn't find enjoyment in it. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Or maybe, yeah, she just didn't find another project that she wore you know, wanted to work on. I mean, I, I, I think it's more that I don't think she was 
I mean, maybe she was a little dissuaded because of uh, it not getting good reviews, but at the same time, I mean, this was the um, the first feature film that was released by Mel Brooks's production company, Brooks Films, like he's that he started. So I feel like if she really wanted to make another, like she wanted to direct something, they would have ended up making something. I mean, like you know, he was still through. You know, through the '80s, making movies, and then it, you know, Mel Brooks kind of then teeters off after what Robin Hood Men Tights. I don't know what year that is, but '94, '94 or something. Early like that, '90s, maybe. yeah, yeah. So, but he's still like an in-demand name, and people, you know, his his style of comedy was still popular at that time. So, I think if she really had another project that she wanted to work on. It could have been made, but maybe, yeah, maybe she was deterred in some kind of way, which would be unfortunate. Which, because also, I, I would then like to see, I would have liked to seen other projects, and so maybe, maybe it would have elevated this project in some kind of way, and be like, oh, I see where she was going, and you just then, you know, look at it as a as a freshman film, and you know, you know, it's not every you have your directors that their first movie is a hit, but then all of a sudden you hear about their sophomore attempt. And it's, you know, criticized. Uh, a filmmaker like, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Smith, you know, with he did, highly praised for Clerks and Mallrats. And everyone's like, oh, he's almost a one-trick pony. And it's just like <laughs> a weak environment. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but that's just... No, 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 I know that. But, uh, yeah, so th- this film, I mean, it, it is covering a lot because it's about obesity. It's about addiction. It's about family. It's about, you know, like living a single life as you know he's his character is 40 years old and i don't know for sure but later on in the movie he says to lydia are, are you a virgin she goes almost and so i don't know if that's him also like asking for his like you know admitting that he's a virgin as well but it's just kind of people in this um his character i forget how many years he and his younger brother are supposed to be separated but you know he's it's definitely like they're in a state of arrested development. I think. Yeah. Not in yeah, a, no, not I in mean, a, not in an immature way because he's got a lot. No, but I, maybe almost like a cultural way, right? Like, because again, like yeah, when he finds out the girl's half Italian, that's like really good for him, you know. Yeah, like he finds out she's you're Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like this. These are things that matter to him. It's very old fashioned. It's very old school. It's something that recently on my podcast, uh, again, we, I mentioned him before, but Christian Larson kind of brought up and it made me like realize people write based on their experiences. And often that's why media seems dated. Um, you're not going to get like Cameron Crowe's going to high school undercover and writing screenplays, right? That's not usually going to happen. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems like this should have been a period piece, but it wasn't. Um Oh, I yeah. see. I okay. I see what you're saying because it's like what they were, what they knew more from their youth. Yes, then, yes. Okay, so, and yeah, that makes yeah. so much more sense when you find out how personal the project is. So, what I, I was kind of getting at was that Anne Bancroft was probably writing this from what she experienced, the values she experienced in her childhood or growing up. I'm sure Dom DeLuise maybe had a similar background. They're both like you know from the New York area or like the Northeast, right? They're both. Uh, you know, in Hollywood, pretty successful. They're both, you know, in the same circle of friends. So they probably wrote this. I don't want to say they wrote it together. 
I did a little research on the writing because I was curious about the Mel Brooks factor. And it was rumored that Mel Brooks ghost writ- wrote, I guess I say he said ghost wrote the screenplay. He denies this. Like, he said he didn't write it. He did say, though, that the movie was made as a favor to him because he had had a run of success. And uh, he's like, oh, do you mind making my wife's thing? You know? Yeah. Um, but I don't think, in my opinion, and Bancroft doesn't need Mel Brooks to make a movie for her. So. No, but it definitely, by, I mean, you know, like, a, you know, when, when you're with someone for a while, you start absorbing one another's oh, yeah. habits and one of them being, like, sense of humor. So whether she had a similar sense of humor to him before, that you know, they got married, but they had been together for a while at that point. So it clearly has, like, his comedic stylings to it. And, yes, that is magnified by having Dom DeLuise in it, who at that point he had collaborated with numerous times. I mean, when this movie came out, so Dom DeLuise was born in 1933. So he's 47 when this movie comes out. He's playing a 40-year-old. She, I don't know, you know, she's his older sister, but uh, she's 49 when this movie came out. So just to kind of reiterate what you're saying that at that point, even if she's making a story about like someone in their 30s to 40s, that's almost you know 15 years ago, or even you know longer before that. So it does feel like it is a story from the 60s or 70s in that neighborhood. I mean, what they, I think they he says at one point he says you know that his address it's somewhere on Bleecker Street. So. Yeah. So I think they're supposed um, to be kind of like right in the right around like right in the village. I think. I know we're going to talk about like the food and stuff. I know we're going to talk oh, yeah. about because uh, because there are elements here. I, but I do want to make it clear: like I didn't hate this movie. No, neither I did thought I. it was neither did I. Yeah, I thought it was a fun movie. I don't know if it's for everybody, but if you're a Dom DeLuise fan, you're going to enjoy this. One note: I don't know if you had in your notes, but. I had this fascinating, and I kind of did a little deep dive into it as well. Obviously, woman director, but also woman cinematographer. Yeah, and that's really rare. The first, yeah, first female like like a feature film like Hollywood picture director of photography. Yeah, it's yeah, that's crazy. Now, look, it, it was happening before that in other kinds of films, but these were more like the uh, Roger Corman films, like B movies. You know, mm-hmm. so this is this is a big deal. Um, and I don't want to dismiss that as well. I think that is super, super important. Um, other than that, though, like, this is a film, like I said, I'd never heard of. I don't think the marketing, I don't know at the time, but at least now, I don't think the marketing is great for this film. You look at, like, if you wanted to, like, stream this or something, you look at, like, the poster or whatever, or whatever, you know, the yeah, I don't know if it's called a poster. And it's like a silly Dom Deli. Is it like a silly font? It says Fatso. It's also a really bad title for what it is because... I've, not only is fat so offensive, maybe it wasn't at the time. Let's say it wasn't at the time, right? It still doesn't have a connotation of empathy. You know, it has a connotation N- yeah, of... Exactly. Yeah. I don't know, but not it's not empathy. <laughs> no, yeah. The, in, in the movie, they make it clear that you have to um, own the word fat. Like she's which I get, which I get. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that so. Though. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, he he eventually we get the moment of uh, as we did on Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. We get the moment at at the end when he's explaining to what Antoinette and Junior. That he's just like I'm a fatso, and but you know, like you know, I, I, what I mean, I'm gonna jump all the way to the end. 
but he you know he says i have to eat when i eat it's me so like that's his identity to him and he eventually explains to him you're gonna have to love me for who i am but during that he uses you know the word uh fat fatso but that not necessarily makes it makes it right or a kind word because he is also belittling himself in that moment but i i would be very curious to while i am i am not a a small person i i don't fall under an obese category i also i look at him in this film and i'm like he's not that big well this is the problem standards have changed a fat person back then is not a fat person today because America has gotten bigger. That's just the well, honest truth. Well, that's the honest truth. And then also when it does come to television and film, like there's TV fat and you look at them and you're like, that's the most average looking. Even if in comparison <laughs> today, you're like, that's a pretty average looking person. But to them, like they're TV fat, you know, or they're. Yeah, absolutely. Like the uh, two, the two guys that are, you know, come to check them out and chubby checkers. Like, yeah, those are, those were two obese big you know and obese guys but like dom de louise like he has you know he's a round face he definitely has you know like a a thick neck which leads to like a double chin kind of look but when he's he's profile and i know he's supposed to be losing weight later in the film but you know they i i would think if i was a betting man i would say for that scene they just put bigger pants on him and that just also since he isn't huge huge it makes it seem like he's lost weight um, you know, we're not going full Matthew McConaughey and like losing the weight and then like putting makeup on to make him seem like he's heavier so that, you know, <laughs> uh, in Dallas Buyers Club, but yeah, yeah. so it's, I, I would definitely be curious as to what someone that's heavier would think of this film. Cause at the same time it is, it is, you know, it's starring like, I mean, it, I, I feel like Dom DeLuise had a bigger part, you know, it is M. Baycroft d- directed and written and definitely feels like Mel Brooks. But I, you know, just because he was just so, such close friends with them, I feel like he probably had a decent amount of say in this project, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's not even a question in my mind. But I mean, just to go back to what you were saying, though, like, I, I don't want to nitpick body image here. No. But I looked, I looked it up quickly. Um, today, the average weight for an American male is 197 pounds. In 1980, it was 180 pounds. So that's a huge swing. So yeah, it might not seem like that today, but in actuality, um, I don't know. Like I, I don't know what was considered what. I don't know what was back then, but that's a huge difference. It's like an inflation of money almost. <laughs> um, this is a weird film to talk about because it's a lot of sensitive subjects to people. A lot of, again, body image issues. I thought it was going to be more offensive, to be honest with you, though. I thought there was going to be, like, you have to look like this, you have to do this. Clearly, they were trying to send a positive message. I'm not in, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever the correct one is. I'm not either of them. I don't know if any of these methods are proper or right or things that people still do today maybe they were at the time maybe they're not but it's just weird to deal with such a serious subject in such a humorous way yeah um yeah that, it gets because uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it gets very slapstick sh- you know shtick kind of comedy when he's chasing his brother around with the knife when the cabinets are all locked up and uh, well, first he comes out with the plastic toy gun. Oh, that's, I forget his nephew's, uh, I think that that's Anthony's toy gun. Uh, 
yeah, but this knife, you know, this knife is real, and then they're begging one another, and then when the one, like, cries and says, I'm sorry, the other one picks up the knife, and that goes back, like, two or three times. And that's just such a old, like, he, he, he definitely came from, like, one of his earliest comedic performances was going on to, like, uh, Dean Martin's show. And so that style of comedy on television and just routines he's just a routine showman entertainer kind of guy and so it it, that kind of comedy it just definitely makes it i feel like if you're gonna be covering serious a serious topic it makes it a little bit more light-hearted silly than you necessarily might want it to be if that makes sense yeah yeah and i i think the character is at least for me you know, there's a lot of empathy there. Um, just the way they're describing food and him not being able to say no to it. I definitely get that. Though, me and him have very different tastes in food, as tastes have changed. But, you know, I, I think anyone who has had an addiction to anything, too, might see this and be like, oh, wow, that that's tough. That happens. That's real. But I just don't know if they're turned off by the comedy moments or they find levity in them. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Like if you, I mean, if you just made a movie that was just serious about this from the get go, like, so you start with this silliness showing a kid that just is always given food, but you kind of, it is, I mean, it is a good establishing point to show what ends up being the, you know, the big moment at the end of the film, him confronting his, a portrait like of his mother and confessing to his sister and brother how like that's just what always was his you know mom's way of handling things and and her emotions and t- towards his emotions and that he admits to Lydia at one point that my mother lost I think it was two definitely two children but maybe it was two boys you know after Antoinette and then and then he was born so even Lydia says oh your mother must have been nervous this whole time so she was just probably just so nurturing and just then was obviously overfeeding him and that's how she took care of things so it so it does a good job even though it's silly in the beginning showing those eating habits but then you get that heavy scene of you know his cousin's funeral but then you get a very very visual gag and i had the subtitles on so even like you know they put the lines of characters that are kind of talking in the distance but they still put the subtitles so there's that comedically large coffin that his cousin is in that's just such a visual gag kind of thing that again reminds me of a mel brooks movie that yeah no for sure i i couldn't agree with you more on that I didn't know where to land on it. But again, I, at the end of the day, was happy to see this movie. It wasn't like, oh, man. it was, And it's only an hour and a half, right? Yeah, it's, it's got a good it's pretty pace pretty harmless in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it goes by pretty fast. Um, I don't know. Again, there was a lot of times where I was really empathetic. There was a lot of times, I don't want to say I didn't care, but it just, you know, moseyed along. But I don't know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it was a movie that di- did have... Uh, a lot to say just even early on with yes uh, yes with with her saying oh you have to go see i think it's is it dr dr schwartz schwartzman yeah yeah. dr schwartzman and uh you know but then he's at the doctor's office and i i 
I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, that they clearly, I mean, every decision in a movie is a, like, is a choice, is a decision. Uh, but like the doctor is smoking and blowing in his face. So they're, you know, commenting on, oh, you got to lose weight. But this doctor is, yeah, you know, coughing and smoking a cigarette right in front of you while you're <laughs> running like a madman on a, on a, on a treadmill. But just like the way his sister reacts to things and is saying, um, and that's the whole thing you got, then you got and Bancroft in that role. So there's just such professionalism that comes with her and just believability that when she's saying to him, Oh, you know, fa- uh, something along the lines of fat people are always good people. And, and, you know, and as, you know, as good people, they all die young and you just see his face. But when she's saying that, when she's crying over her cousin's coffin, you're just, you're in it because you believe it because she's a tremendous actor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I'm starting to think that, again, there's no hard and fast rule, but your first time directing a major Hollywood role, you probably shouldn't direct your friends. Maybe it's hard to get tone that way, you know? Maybe it's hard to be like, no, 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 do this. Yeah. I don't know. I can imagine it would be. To make a food pun, maybe there are too many chefs in the kitchen. Maybe, like, he, maybe, maybe. Not admit, he's not admitting it, but maybe Mel Brooks was more involved whether he was asked to or not i'm not trying to point fingers we're actually recording on the day of mel brooks's birthday so happy birthday oh really mel wow brooks. and yeah. i know you're you're a big mel brooks guy so I know oh i'm a huge criticizing yeah, exactly. yeah no no um, I, it's nothing but love for him and i mean just absolutely the fact that he's still with us and i you know see recent enough interviews and he's still just so sharp between him and like Carl Reiner. It's like, Oh my God, these guys are just like these, com- you know, com- even like Dick Van Dyke out there, like these comedic legends that are just still, you know, yes, they are pretty elderly, but they're still like, as far as their sense of humor, they still got it. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, get- getting into, you know, kind of mentioned the food a little bit and I definitely do want to talk about food because there's a lot of food scenes in this movie. Oh, yeah. So, you know what, before we start talking about it, let me play a scene right now. It's going to be the one I, it's one of my favorite scenes. I'll definitely ask you yours, but it's um, Dominic preparing Junior some breakfast. You know something, Junior? You don't know how to run your plate. You're 32 years old, you don't know how to run your plate. The omelet is supposed to come out eaten with the bread. Tell you, I don't want all that bread. You made me too much bread. You always make me too much bread. And you don't even dip your bread. I made the omelet nice and soft in the middle so you could dip your bread. Get out of my eggs. A little bit of hot pepper on it. You stop putting hot pepper on my eggs? You don't even butter your bread. Look, no jelly? Here, this nice jelly antenna made. Apricot and pineapple. Oh, nice. Here. I told you I don't want that much bread. Don't you understand? I've been telling you that for a hundred years. You love bread. I don't love bread. I like bread. Don't you understand? I gotta watch my weight. Didn't you learn anything from Salvatore? 39 the man was. 39 years old, and he's dead, 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 Dom. And that killed him. And bam, I'm going to work. I love that scene because I just love the... Uh, he's, you know, he's on... So then he's on the phone with his aunt, with Sal's mother, and it is just such a 
it's the first real big like dialogue scene with him, and we're just learning how sweet of a man he is. And he's like, "What do you say to a mother that just lost his child? You know, her child." And oh, I almost asked where Sal was, and we learn that uh, he, he lives with his brother. He's got his sister, and her family is like down below in a, like an apartment below theirs. Uh, and he's preparing breakfast for him and it's just like okay he's like cooking some eggs and then he slices up four pieces of bread and then he's got some slices of tomato on it and then he put, puts it to you know his brother he's like oh i don't like want that much bread <laughs> but, yeah yeah that was hilarious with the omelet and everything yeah I, just, I love that yeah just how he said like you don't know how to run your plate. And he's like, yeah, dip it in, dip it in. I made the egg soft in the <laughs> middle so you could dip it in. And he's just like, you didn't even put butter on your bread. And just like the, cause it is love. And I have been around people that that's how they treat food and God knows, or that's how they want to show their love. I should say. <laughs> and, um, and then I, I, I for sure, uh, can be that way. Like I, as, as simple as it is, just like I, last night I was having a meal. I'm like, God damn it, do I just love butter and bread? Or if you're having a good, <laughs> if you're having a good meal, and then you get to dip, uh, you know, the dip the bread into the sauce. The first meal I had out once restaurants opened up, and I was dining in a backyard of this one restaurant, Cordo in Jersey City. That was like, I have they have this fantastic roasted chicken dish called Angry Chicken, and they bring a piece of bread with it. I just let the bread soak in the juice the whole time, and that's you know, then took some scraps of the chicken and put it on it. And it's just so simple, but so tasty. And that's just like what he's, he's showing his love to his brother in this scene. But it's just, his brother's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't, you love bread. I like bread, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, it it is a fun scene. It's a great scene. Um, The kitchen is so white, (laughs) you know, it was such a weird choice, I think. Because while this, everything feels very old fashioned, that kitchen did not feel old fashioned. So it was definitely a choice there. Um I, I, it reminded me of Friends, too. Like, there's the episode where Rachel is teaching Joey how to sail, and she's, like, <laughs> you know, being nasty and becoming her father. But it ends with them just, like, enjoying, like, beer and a sandwich, and Rachel, like, some meat is falling out of her sandwich, and he's like, what are you doing? Like, you're wasting good pastrami! You know? like, <laughs> but uh, it, there, a lot of people are like that. A lot of people are like that. They see an art to not just cooking... We all know and we all glorify the art of cooking. Let you know, that's there's TV channels, there's books, everyone does it, especially this show, right? But there is an art to eating too that is not glorified. That you know, eating is taboo in some cases. The way people eat, like it matters. People have different food strategies for eating. I don't think they discuss it. You see people. If you want to be a creep and stare at, at people eating at their tables, you see people who eat their favorite thing first and progressively go down you see the opposite the people eat like the meat last and and the sides first you see people like you were saying yourself who maybe gets a nice medley together there is like some people take that very seriously there's an art to it and i don't think enough i don't think enough people acknowledge it maybe they ignore it because there is some fat phobia around being that in love with the food you're eating i'm not criticizing this show or any of the listeners i'm not saying i agree with that but there is kind of like what what does your mom tell you when you grow up? Don't play with your food, right? Yeah. Like there's an there's an art to this, and you could see that. Again, I don't know if it's right for this movie that deals with addiction, but it is accurate in a sense 
that like some people do take that aspect so seriously uh in the big night which we talked about and that's not about addiction or maybe a different kind of addiction who knows it's about obsession but uh <laughs> in, in big night i uh remember at the scene where the lady's like oh i want the she wants like a side of pasta with like red sauce like oh, with her other yeah, pasta yeah yeah like in the end of the day why does it matter she's just eating it but there is like an idea of like why would you mix those two things at the dinner table and, and i think that matters to some people and i loved seeing it here because you rarely see that aspect on film yeah i'm always fascinating by fascinated by eating habits or eating traditions just even like i grew up as simple as like at, at dinner um most of the time whatever my mom's making a meal like there's salad on the side and you kind of for us you kind of eat it side by side now if you go to a restaurant like salad's gonna be if you know if it's one of those kind of restaurants salad's gonna be in the beginning but like with danielle with her family it seems like they eat the meal and then they put the salad on their plate and eat the salad and it's just like, yeah, oh. a lot. A lot of people do it like that, like a cleanser. Yeah, exactly. Which is just like I never experienced that before. I'm like, oh, that's like nice, but at the same time, I then feel bad if I like fill myself up on the food, you know, on the on the meal, and then you have this like salad, this beautiful salad that. Well, like, I, can't I think that a theory for some people would be like the meal is going to be better than the salad, right? So you might as well keep the room for that and not fill yourself up on okay, salad. Yeah, sure, for sure, yeah. There's theories. There's eating theories. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there's classes on this, but it's things that exist. I mean, there's definitely got to be, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I know there's, you know, cooking uh, cooking schools. You've got, you know, the Culinary Institute of America and everything like that. But I wonder, I should, I next time I have a, uh, one of my guests that have gone there or gone to a culinary school, I should ask if they teach like these kind of classes as well. Just like the culture of food, you know. And, I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even Dom DeLuise in real life, he's he wrote cookbooks. And I, I love, I mean, the title of them, Eat This, It'll Make You Feel Better. <laughs> <laughs> I just love, you know, he just looks so, just so inviting. He's got the very traditional, he's got like a red big chef's hat on. He's got the, oh, yeah, che- I remember you know, the che- yeah, the checkered pattern, like apron. And he's got a big pot of food and... A very shot like looking at it, I'm like, oh shit! I just totally copy Dom DeLuise's faces when I do silly faces with food. Like, <laughs> it's just you know absurdly just like theft on my behalf of just uh, uh, clear uh, mi- mimicking his his uh, his just being silly with his face and everything like that. But yeah, with this with this film and with that scene, it's just. Uh, him showing his love for his brother, but just how everyone, you know, his brother already has this awakening. So I think his brother's 30, 30 years old, 32 years old, something like that. Something like that. Everyone looks like a way older person. Way older person. My exactly. Yeah. Way older person. <laughs> but you know, so he's, he's not with anybody, but he's like, Oh, I got, you know, like I want to look good. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to be fat. I'm trying to watch my weight. Uh, and so that he doesn't want the four, you know, four pieces. Of, he only likes bread. He doesn't love bread. But there, uh, <laughs> do, do you have a favorite scene, or just even like doesn't have to be a food scene? But um, I mean, that was definitely one of the scenes I wrote down. I guess a scene that I was interested in, or the whole element, I guess, of him with the girl. <laughs> I don't, I'm not saying girl like I don't know she's a girl, but 
I think girls in a like a woman, you know, yeah. the woman who runs the antique store. I don't remember her name. Um, Lydia. Who it? Who? Yes, yes, Lydia. Who's very, very, very poofy. Like he says, blonde, but that's like white almost. You know, <laughs> and she she's looks like she's from character. like Depression era. Like I thought, yeah, I was that's, watching that's like so an. Ex- I thought for a second, like I looked up to see if she was the woman that's in the um, the version <laughs> of uh, of Annie. Like, you know, that was made with Tim Curry. I was like, is that oh the same? God. Like, Tim Curry's love interest in that movie. Just, like, yeah. they look very similar. Like, heavy eye shadow and just, like, yeah, that light, light, like... Uh, I, oh, platinum blonde, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, style hair. And, yeah, she just... No, no one... The feel of the story, but then even her character, I feel like the most doesn't look of 1980. <laughs> No, definitely not. But I liked when she came in for the wrapping paper and how like excited he got and how he was trying to like sell her the wrapping paper. <laughs> you know, he has like these rolls look this way, these rolls look that way. He just again, that's like good Dom DeLuise energy. I did like their relationship. I just thought it was not 1980, if that makes sense. No, it's not um, 1980 and it isn't like a crazy develop like it's definitely the you know, like a B plot of the movie, but it is still, I mean, it still is important, but it just is, uh, I mean, since it is a short film, it's a bit expedited and it's kind of casually thrown in when he is trying on those pants and he's just like, Oh, must've been happening while dating Lydia. Like there definitely are, you know, there's mom. <laughs> she's very influential in his life. Yeah. You can tell this guy doesn't date a lot. Well, obviously if he's asking her if she's a virgin, you know, um, <laughs> you know, he definitely doesn't date a lot. Uh, he's, Kind of a shy guy, kind of a family man. You yeah, know? family man, a home buddy. Like he has clearly has a great relationship with his niece and nephew, um, but just has. I mean, when he when he leaves for work that morning, like in that kind of like the, the after he makes breakfast for his brother and checks in with mm-hmm. his with his you know, with his sister and her family. Uh, you know, he's walking, he gets an apple from the, uh, you know, from the fruit stand, but then he gets two hot dogs, he picks up danishes for his, I guess we'll call it, is that like a stationary store for the most part, right? Um, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and he's just, he's just, but he's just then so kind with everyone in the neighborhood, Mrs. Goodman, who comes in and wants to get a card for his son, for her son who lives in Chicago. He's like, oh, I've got the, I've got the perfect card. And, uh, I mean, what, what was your, do you remember like your introduction to Don DeLuise because for me it is 100% uh, an American tale uh, it probably was I don't think I knew it was him mm-hmm. you know yeah I don't think it registered with me I think later on I'm like oh, okay um, certainly let's see the Mel Brooks stuff probably I, I honestly I think the first time I ever saw him and acknowledged that that was who he was or whatever was probably watching the Mupp- the Muppet movie at some point. <laughs> yeah, um, he plays the guy that finds like Kermit singing Rainbow Connection. Yeah, yeah, he's the, the, <laughs> the agent or whatever. Yeah, but I watched Mel Brooks movies pretty young, so I, I would see him in that as well for sure. He used to do a lot of TV though, a lot of TV. Yeah, um, and he definitely did the Muppet Show, and I'm not just saying like obviously like Johnny Carson and stuff, but He's he's like guest star in a lot of. Well, he was part of that club. Your Johnny, like your Johnny Carson's, your Dean Martin's, your like Don Rickles, your Car- Carol Burnett, like 
that was just that generation of comedians and still like when i use the word before but like entertainer you know like i mean yeah you see it you see it a little bit in this film but like he knew how to dance like he was that's like what that was kind of like you know the big checklist thing back in the day that you could you could act you could right then they call that a triple threat right singing acting dancing or something like singing, that singing acting dancing and like today like dancing is not valued as much as those other things and no. maybe on Broadway and stuff yeah maybe on Broadway but yeah not that that stuff but yeah no that's there's moments like that when he's being so kind to people I just think of the cat like the his character in American Tale Tiger because who's again like who ends up being a gentle that's a I guess gentle giant like I don't know how big he was in real life he doesn't look like he's was like terribly tall or anything like that no no but he plays like yeah just a very gentle character and he is but it has a larger than life personality at the same time but just yeah his character of Tiger in American Tale you know it's as uh what is like when Fifele gets captured by the cats and he's so scared and tiger's watching guard and he's like no i don't like to eat my i like to eat broccoli like <laughs> I mean, he was in a lot of those don blue yeah don films. blue films yeah exactly um he was in all dogs go to heaven i know yeah. he was also in uh oliver and company so he had the voice in that as well oh was he he was was he the homeless guy was that who yeah, yeah fagan yeah fagan <laughs> <laughs> um i'm trying to think Spaceballs, Pizza the Hut. Oh, yeah. That's a (laughs) classic food scene. Yes, yes. You should put that on your list. I think we covered it. I have to do a better job of keeping track. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're going to do one twice and not even realize it. Exactly. It's going to happen. Exactly. Um, I do distinctly, like, in middle school, like, when I was watching more Mel Brooks films, I I remember him in uh, History of the World, Part 1. He's, like, an emperor, I think. Yeah, just in that very... (laughs) He's, like, a Roman, yeah. Yeah, exactly. The very, like, (laughs) one more, and, like, eating grapes and the wine and all, everything that comes with, like, a very Caligula kind of vibe. Uh, I think they just covered the Cannonball Run on Too Fast, Too Forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, like, out of people then collaboration like one of his dearest friends was burt reynolds actually i screenshotted what um mel brooks and burt reynolds said when dom de Luis passed away uh, burt reynolds said as you get older and start to lose people you love you think about it more and i was dreading this moment dom always made you feel better when he was around and there will never be another like him and then Mel Brooks said... Very nice, very nice. Yeah, yeah, from the late Burt Reynolds. And from the, thank God he's still with us, Mel Brooks. That'll be a very sad day. Um, not to be a downer. But Mel Brooks said, Dom DeLuise created so much joy and laughter on the set that you couldn't get your work done. So every time I made a movie with Dom, I would plan another two days on the schedule just for laughter. It's a sad day. It's hard to think of this life and this world without him. So, those, you know, just two of his biggest collaborators and what they, what he meant to them. And, uh, you know, clearly just, yeah, just from what Mel Brooks said in particular, like, you know, he just brought such levity and made people laugh on set that they would have to just take extra time. And it didn't sound like he minded that as a director, you know. They definitely had a great working relationship. I think you mentioned it, but they come just from, like, such a similar school of comedy yeah. that it makes so much sense. A very, like, New York kind of comedy. Yeah, just like, I will. mean, he was he was in a lot of, you know, stage productions as well. And Mel Brooks, definitely that triple threat. I mean, he showed it off 
I feel like, well, maybe, maybe just as much, but always, you know, made a role for him in his films. And I feel like they always had some kind of dancing or singing element to it. Uh, so yeah, definitely cut from the same cloth as far as their sense of humor and just what they, what they could bring to the table. Um, Another great food scene in this, although it gets into sad territory, is after that whole chasing his brother around. He's like, "Oh, you gotta call my two. I think what are they? Are they called sponsors? But they're the chubby checkers." Yeah, they're their chubby checkers. Checkers, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so he's got two two checkers, and these guys, like I said earlier, are very 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 large guys. Uh, I wrote the one guy's name down, Sonny. Played by Richard Karen. Did you recognize? He's such a distinct voice. And I was looking through his IMDb. And I'm like, what? And I couldn't put my finger on like what else I recognized him. No, from. no. It's just, it's just the voice sounded the, so familiar. The one guy I recognized. I think he was like a friend, but he plays Joey's dad in Friends. Oh, that's Anne Bancroft's husband, right? Oh, that's who he is. Yeah, I know he was like in a lot of. Background shots, I forgot. Yeah, I think yeah. that's Ang Bancroft's husband. Yeah, and that guy's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, and and same thing with um, with Dominic's uh, younger brother Frankie. He was he's he's been in a bunch of stuff too. But this guy Richard Karen, I mean, uh, when they're when they when they come and they start, well, they, they put right away. He put on a pot of boiling water, and then they have they're have you know drinking their. It's pretty, you know, like not even tea, just hot water, and then they ask for lemon. He's like, "Oh yeah, he has such a distinct voice, and not to mock him, but he's, yeah, do you have the orange juice?" <laughs> uh, and it ends up like he ends up tearing off the kitchen cabinets when they just go into this. It almost has like a Night of the Living Dead kind of moment, which again, I feel like they're clearly doing a little bit of satire spoof in that moment of just him then going up and ripping off it just reminds me of the character of uh oh god what's the character's name uh mongo in blazing saddles who's just the you know ends up being you know like the gentle beast in the or not actually not he's not really gentle but just uh (laughs) the the physical you know like threat and walking through town and you know everyone's like holy shit it's mongo and he goes up to the you know the one guy's on a horse he's like you can't park here and then he punches the horse uh, and knocks the horse yes. over. So point being, it's just that level of again, like physical comedy. But when they're going through like their favorite desserts and everything like that, uh, and I, when Sonny says, uh, oh, "What's what? What's the line?" It's, um, uh, "Did you ever suck the jelly out of a jelly donut and fill it up with <laughs> chocolate swirl ice cream?" Like they're just having these like because they're these guys that. I guess they all fall off the wagon together. I don't know if these guys, yeah. you know, and they are just daydreaming of all these foods. And I definitely can appreciate those moments because when I've been on diets before and even earlier when he makes, he makes lasagna for his brother and he's having kale with like bland boiled chicken. But I think that's, you know, maybe for multiple reasons you can't make that movie now, but I it, it works for back then because I don't think like healthy food options were ever shown in a good light. You know, there's so many, so many more food options these days. Yeah. So I laugh at this. It is a moment of levity, but then I feel bad. Like, should I be laughing at their addiction? You know, should I be laughing at the problem? They clearly have mm-hmm. a problem. I obviously don't have to an extent, but I definitely understand it. 
Um, I definitely know where they're coming from. And, and, you know, you brought up a diet. I think any of us who have tried a diet, it's hard to follow through on it because there's so many great things available to us. So it made sense. So I was laughing, but also I didn't feel like it was a mean-spirited laugh because it's, it's almost like maybe not to your extent, but I've definitely been there. Yeah, and, and uh, you kind of said earlier, like maybe f- for people that can relate, they also want like it can't just be heavy handed stuff the whole time. It needs to be a little lighthearted. So as comedians, they're like trying to take that moment and make it and make it silly for us and, and showing a ridiculous version of, I mean, talk about, I mean, all of those cabinets and the fridge, like with a huge thick metal chain, just like it's a, it's another visual. Yeah, gag. that's, another so, that's visual so gag. visual. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just like, oh, really? So every day, every meal, you're gonna go through this process to unlock it just to get to like a dish and to open up the fridge to grab a little something out of it. Um, and the fact that he even snaps right away, he's just in bed and he's watching. You know, he puts on the TV and then every commercial is a food commercial, which. Again, it is, I feel it's like commenting on something and just like showing how much of a society, how much is pushed, you know, like shoved in front of our faces. Or even just towards the end of the movie when I think what his uh, sister, they're, I think they're having a card game or something like that, right? And he goes and he, he's like, oh, you want me to pick up the food for you? And he's really nervous about uh, Lydia at that moment because she's not at her apartment. They had plans to meet up, and he's even gonna he's gonna propose to her that night. And he ends up eating like forty dollars worth of Chinese food. Yeah, which forty dollars at the time was a, yeah, is a yeah a lot of money, but not as much as the money I originally thought. Oh my god, it was like forty dollars in nineteen sixty. Oh wait, this is nineteen eighty. It's still <laughs> bad, but you know. Yeah, it's still um, bad, but they got like four orders of spare ribs, four orders of dumplings. For you know, like it was a lot of food. It was. The one thing I guess I'll say, too, as we talk, I almost wish they went harder on some things, right? Like, his family was super supportive. They wanted him to get healthier, so it wasn't exactly... How can I put it? It wasn't the best... They weren't saying, like, oh, you're great the way you are. You know, they weren't saying anything like that. But they also weren't nasty. And we weren't, like, seeing images of really fit people at the time or something to make us feel like what he felt like it like there didn't seem to be that kind of pressure if that makes sense like oh look at this good looking guy who's hitting on my lady you know and i'm using that in air quotes like a typical like model guy maybe hitting on his the girl he's interested in and like that would have kind of been like oh look at me you know overall everyone was pretty supportive and they got like a little mad at him here or there but it was reasonable so I don't know. It's either they need to like go more slapstick or turn on the drama way more. It, it just again rode this middle ground that I don't know didn't always hit. There was never comparison. Like both, you know, his brother is pretty average size, and Anne Bancroft is in like excellent shape. Like there's never like a sibling comparison. There's never like why did you get the like why do you look that way and I look this way? Like it didn't even you know go to that or like you know or his brother like he makes the comments of like. I like bread, you love bread, or, like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get fat, or, you know, so I'm not going to eat all of this lasagna right now, or I'm not going to have bread with it, too. But he's not, but it's not too mean-spirited. Like, the two moments his sister, or kind of has, what, I guess, three moments in the beginning of the film, like, you got to go to the doctor, then the next day in the morning before the doctor, he's like, I forgot, and she starts yelling at him, and then they dance for a little bit, and he gets... 
uh, a little like dizzy from it, and she yells at him, and then she yells at him at like at the end, especially about um, about eating all the Chinese food, and then they have the yeah. But I mean, that's kind of understandable. Yeah, exactly. It is understandable. You (laughs) You know, it's all it's all incredibly like stress and depression, like. You know, because she just lost, they were all just such close family, and they just lost their cousin, who is even, you know, bigger than that, than, than, uh, than Dominic. Yeah. I mean, I just, I guess I just was surprised not to see more, again, body image issues, or just shaming, or, I mean, you and I have talked about this just off air, about, not necessarily people we know, but people we see on Instagram, right? Like, Instagram follow, uh, influencers, or just... In, Instagrammy people who are like, oh, just eat an apple, or if you eat fruit, you won't be fat, you know? And they don't acknowledge that there's, like, genetic stuff, and everyone's different. Um, or just, and or I just think truly maybe that's admit more how a, much they do in a workout sense. Like, you know, that, that's the whole thing with diets. It's like, yeah, you can start eating differently, but at the same time, you have just you have to put in a lot of physical work. Yeah, you, 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 it's like a catch-22, right? They say you can't outwork a bad diet. Yeah. Like, you can't <laughs> outwork a bad diet. Um, but there's, like, maybe that's something that, I don't know. I wasn't fat in 1980. I can't tell you what was on people's minds. I'm frankly not sure. But if this is made today, I think there might be more of that because that's just realistic. There's no Instagram at the time, so I guess it's better to, not better, but easier to hide back then maybe he just you know goes to the store goes to his home and he doesn't get out much so he doesn't see that so maybe that's maybe that's why it wasn't a bigger part of the movie the, but yeah, today i yeah. think it's so in your face tv you know social media that maybe things are different today that i guess that's why that happened i don't know uh yeah i feel i mean i mean like maybe not like in in person to person shaming but there definitely is a lot more shaming just because of the amount of contact you can have with people these days but yeah with him he just seems like a guy that stayed you know very close with you know, has a small circle of friends and family uh stays within his community within his neighborhood is very kind so no one has a problem with them that's gonna be like anyone that knows him is not going to be mean to him or pick on him because he's just a lovely person and uh, and then even once he starts like when he's talking to Lydia, and he says about you know like yeah you know like I'm bigger I'm a full you know full figured fella or like whatever however he words it and she's like oh like you know like you're built like my dad was and like that's the only time as a love interest that they ever really address that. It makes you think we're definitely over analyzing this film, <laughs> but maybe not. I don't know because I again I, think I it's don't cr- know. I think it's t- the time is due for, for that Fatso deserved a more a, a deeper look into it. Oh yeah, for sure. Because everywhere you read, this is like they act like this movie is a disaster, and it's not a disaster. It's just you know tonally odd. But there's a lot of fun moments, and I, I like I said, I'll say it a million times, but. It didn't drag, and I followed the entire film the entire time. I never felt bored from it. It was just interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's an ambitious film, especially for a first time, and unfortunately, like like only film that she ever directed. But I think it's an ambitious film, and it and it's what it's trying to bring up, and what it's trying to get people to. You know, I think that they were probably hoping to maybe change some people's minds and then also at the same time you know for, for maybe judging people that are a bit bigger or even way bigger than you are because 
in the end, it's just like, you gotta love me for me, and, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, as far as his character, he's not trying to hurt anybody, he's just trying to enjoy his life. But it seems like it definitely does stem from, you know, with his character, stuff with his mother, and then insecurities, just in the fact that he starts losing weight once he's happy and he's with Lydia. Like, he he eats it when he's sad, which is a pretty common thing, and I've, I've definitely done myself as well. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, you know, I empathize with that a lot. Anything else to say about Fatso? We've we've said a lot, but uh, I definitely recommend it. I I did a quick free subscription, watched it on Cinemax, I believe. So it's out there. To it's watch. also like free on YouTube. <laughs> oh, it is. Okay, well there you go. So uh, the, I'm sure the quality's better where you watched it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I I enjoyed. I watched this for the first time maybe four or five years ago so like kind of you know kind of recent and I'm surprised uh, you'd seen it like where did you even see it because it's not streaming anywhere else i think it was just it was playing on like a cable channel one time and like you know gotcha. was it was, was it an option on stars or showtime and i'm like oh don DeLuise, and it's called fatso and it looks like a silly poster fun and then i <laughs> and so i guess uh, the marketing was good yeah, or, well, was good in the sense of pulled me in, but then just not good in the sense of portraying what the movie actually is. I probably should have given you a bit more forewarning on what this movie was when uh, when, when, when you brought it up, and because uh, it's not... Oh, we didn't even mention this the whole time. Isn't 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 Nicole, your wife, re- kind of related to Dom DeLuise? I mean, uh, pr- distantly, distantly, probably. I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, supposedly down the line. <laughs> Who knows? Many, many generations. They have the same last name. There you go. Um, I, I would, I would be absolutely honored to be part of his family. I enjoyed talking this with you. I know we have a scene that we want to discuss, and it's very appropriate for your podcast, High School Slumber Party. Is it a, a scene from A Troll in Central Park? Another Don <laughs> Bluth. Don Deluise film. No, yeah. I think he's the troll, right? I th- yeah, right. I think or. Yeah, because for a second I was there, there's another character that um, oh my god why am I blanking? Oh, you're thinking of like Rip Taylor. You're thinking of like the, not Rip Taylor, but he's he's like that. Uh, uh, Charles Nelson Riley. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> he's got like a similar like vibe to him. Yeah. He's in that movie too. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's not Troll in Central Park. It is Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and it is uh, Spicoli ordering the cheese pizza, so let's play that scene. Oh, yes. And we'll we'll talk about it. Now, in 1898, Spain owned Cuba outright. Think about it. Cuba owned by a disorganized parliament over 4,000 miles away. Cubans were in a constant... Cubans were in a constant state of revolt. In 1904, the United States decided to throw a little weight around and, uh... Who is it? Mr. Pizza Guy. Again? Mr. Pizza Guy, sir. (laughs) Pour the deviled cheese and sausage. Right here, dude. Dude. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? Learning about Cuba, having some food. 
Mr. Spicoli, you're on dangerous ground here. You're causing a major disturbance on my time. I've been thinking about this, Mr. Han. If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? Certainly there's nothing wrong with a little feast on our time. You're absolutely right, Mr. Spicoli. It is our time. Yours, mine, and everyone else's in this room. But it is my class. Hamilton, Brandt, Kornfeld, up front. Mr. Spicoli has been kind enough to bring us a stack. Be my guest. Help yourselves. Get a good one. I mean, Spicoli, Fast Times of Ridgemont High, does, I mean, talk about an iconic character, right? Oh, yeah. So I haven't covered this yet on High School Slumber Party, but I definitely obviously intend to, maybe saving this one a little bit. First of all, you have Amy Heckerling directing, who later goes to do Clueless. You have Cameron Crowe writing, you know, almost famous. So people who have done, who go on to do high school films later that are iconic. And then you have Sean Penn in one of his earlier roles in such a different Sean Penn role, but apparently he was so immersed in this, like... He did it like Daniel Day-Lewis style. Like, the day he got to the set, he was Spicoli, and he didn't stop being Spicoli till the movie was wrapped. That's <laughs> that's crazy. That's absolutely... It's like, crazy, because not even for, that big of a character. No, it's not that big of a character, and so... what? I mean, what what do you know off the top of your head what year Fast Times came out? Ooh, I don't... I'm trying to... Let's see. Let's I'm see. so bad with years. 82, 82. 82. So he was 22. I just looked up like what year he was born. So he was born. Yeah, imagine making that choice at 22. Yeah, 22. saying go for it. (laughs) Exactly, and go for it. So, I mean, at least it is, since he is a smaller character, number one, you aren't getting like the full Daniel Day-Lewis in the sense of, you know, he's not the lead. So, you you know, as other actors go, you're not getting that all the time. And it is like a lighthearted character. So I can only imagine like, you know, when it's a crazy like... um, Oh God! What was, what was Daniel Day Lewis? What was that last movie? It's P.T. Anderson. I'm totally blanking on the name of it. Phantom Thread. Yeah, Phantom Thread. Like where he's just like plays just like a kind of like a horrible, mean spirited person. That movie, and if he is being a method actor and acting that way the whole time, I can't imagine like how how annoying that is, or just obviously even like the comedy styles of like. Andy Kaufman and how he would be over the top or, or even how we heard then what Jim Carrey did on Man on the Moon. Yeah. Uh, so at least with, uh, you know, Sean Penn, it's a smaller, you know, character and it's just like kind of like, I mean, he's just a lighthearted stoner guy. So Apparently it did piss people off on set. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I guess it's still no matter what gets old. But... Uh, yeah, of course. Of course it's... <laughs> But this... People still talk about it, like because you're just like, where am I? I imagine like on set, this is where I gotta shoot the scene, you know. But the, but in terms of this scene, it's just awesome because it's so like, what a ballsy move, like what a kick ass move <laughs> to order a pizza <laughs> yeah. in class. And again, Mr. Hand, they have like a rivalry the entire film, and what he does to Sean Penn, basically like, oh, you know the the nerds in the class are going to eat it instead, or, like, the good students and me are going to eat it instead. And Sean Penn's face, like, like he's just been so wrong. So wrong. Just, like, yeah, like, uh, what do you think you're doing? Learning about Cuba and ordering some food. Like, <laughs> it's just, like, aren't, isn't this both of our times? Like, he's just trying in his own, not sad, but just, like, clearly just, like, 
lackadaisical kind of way that he is this surfer dude just looking for you know good waves and you know like just <laughs> good times and all that uh, it's like this he's the stoner archetype to a t um and I, I, we didn't mention this but taylor negron is the pizza delivery guy ah, we've talked so about good. him on my podcast on better off dead but he's in so much stuff so much stuff doesn't he pay doesn't he play a pizza delivery guy in Biodome as well. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And then he has a food so, scene in like Angels in the Outfield. He's- food scene there. And <laughs> in Friends, he's the owner of Monica's restaurant. Oh, yeah. Alessandro's. Alessandro's. So like he's he has a lot of foodie scenes. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's him delivering. Yeah. The double double cheese uh, and sausage, I think it was, right? Uh, yeah, he's great in these characters. I'm not saying his like bigger roles, like Angels in the Outfield, are bad by any means. I I love him as Nacho Butt, but him, like again, being del- pizza delivery man, mailman, stuff like that, just appearing, his delivery just so great. Yeah, he plays just such like like irreverent and just do- like doesn't just yeah just doesn't give a shit and just these great like ancillary characters and so he's it's definitely always plays like oh yeah that guy kind of you know roles <laughs> not and that's not me trying to take anything away from him because it's always a welcomed addition anytime i saw him in a movie yeah absolutely absolutely and Again, just back to Sean Penn. Obviously, he's going to later win Oscars and be, you know, one of the top <laughs> actors of his generation. And but again, you can see the seeds of that here because he's so committed to that character. It doesn't feel like a farce. He feels like he's Spicoli. Yeah, and supposedly, I think him and like Dane Cook, they're uh, facilitating like a, a live read of Fast Times and. Some people are gonna still play their same characters, but Sean Penn. Okay. <laughs> but Sean Penn isn't. He's gonna make a cameo appearance in like another way or whatever. Uh, but yeah, there's just something that they, I think they're they're doing to raise money, you know, for dirt, you know, something pandemic related. Oh, okay, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. thought it was just like for fun. I'm no, like, not right. yeah. I mean, it'll be fun most likely. But uh, like I th- and I think Amy Heckerling and Cameron Crowe are involved. Like they're gonna maybe read the like you know the sides like as far as the direction or something you know of the scenes uh, or maybe read something beforehand do an introduction but i just know that was something i followed dane cook ever since uh covering waiting on here because of his last name exactly he's the perfect guy uh, <laughs> dane cook as the cook as in the waiting cook. wow i don't think we even brought that up how appropriate I mean, I would be surprised if you did. It's really lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you heard earlier with my heavy heart, horrible pun joke, <laughs> I, there's no such thing as low-hanging fruit with me. Why don't you tell the foodies your favorite Dom DeLuise line of all time? I will not. <laughs> it's not PC at all. Fatso, kid, yeah, kid. Fatso could be like remade these days. Mel Brooks movies, no, like they just yeah, that that humor's not. You know, the, they barely squeaked by with the producers on Broadway, and then once the movie came out, like the humor was dead. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It was that fast. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Exactly. Like everyone thought, like yeah, movie of this hit Broadway show, and just even by that time, it was like, eh, not no, not really. Like I don't need this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying I thought that, but. 
No, were, there's I, yeah. already another producer's movie, so exactly, yeah, whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I actually I came up, you know, like you've been on the podcast numerous times, and I, I'm sure <laughs> I feel like there's been a time that was a solo time of yours that I didn't have a question for you at the end. You know, of course, there's the first episode you're on. We do gut instincts. If you're on a second time, I ask dream dinner guest and then you've been on you know other times with other people so they answer questions but i there was something in this movie that made me it was a question i had an idea for before but i wanted to ask it this time it's kind of a two-part question and it's inspired by dom de louise saying he doesn't enjoy eating cold food so my question for you is what is your favorite food to eat as a leftover and then if it's the same answer but kind of a, the second part to it What's your favorite food to eat cold that isn't like, you know, it was a hot food, but then you eat it cold? Mm, I mean, that's a good question. I know there's a lot of people, including like my own brother, who will not like touch leftovers. You know, they don't like reheating food or anything like that. I love Uh, leftovers. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. And I don't mind eating it cold to the point where people have been like, Brian, why are you eating that cold? (laughs) Same here. Exactly. I don't know the answer to the question because anything qualifies, right? (laughs) Not, you know, within reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, classic is pizza, of course. Like, I will eat pizza at any time in the day at, at any potential temperature. Well, I don't know about, like, I guess the weirdest temperature to eat pizza is, like, room temperature. You know? Yeah, like, after, yeah, after you ordered it and it's, like, at a, well, like sitting there all we, won't night. Say, we won't say what exactly, but there was a party that we were once at that they did not, the guests did not oh, tell yes. us that there was pizza. <laughs> And it was, like, expensive pizza. And yeah. they didn't tell people that it arrived. And then we discovered it. And, yeah, it was at that, like... It was still good, but it was at that, like, room temperature. Which yeah, is... cheese is congealed in, in a weird way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that, that wasn't that pleasant. But pizza... I mean, I guess I... I mean, I wouldn't rank pasta high on that list. But there are certain things that I'll order knowing I'm not going to finish it. And knowing it'll make a good leftover. Um, just stuff with fries. I mean, I like to reheat fries. too. I don't know. It's tough. It depends how hungry I am. Chinese food, not necessarily rice. Yeah, like rice. Yeah, rice is difficult. But yeah, if you get... I think, I think for me, anything that's like sauce related, then when it gets to become like congealed and everything like that, I really... I like that. So like Chinese food, like when it's like orange chicken or something like that yes per- orange chicken is the best example of a food that you can eat cold yeah and that no one should shame you for it it's very very good cold um yeah you know a lot of takeout stuff like that sometimes i i hope it's something's gonna make it to leftovers and it doesn't um but i guess t- to be clear for the first question thanksgiving in terms of leftovers right yeah i know you're a big thanksgiving guy that's like big thanksgiving guy i love that thanksgiving sandwich oh i like places that make it even though it's not authentic the best (laughs) thanksgiving sandwich is the authentic thanksgiving leftover sandwich but there's other places that replicate it but yeah i'll put anything in that sandwich that was on the table pretty much you know i'll I'll put the uh what's it called like cranberry sauce cranberry sauce yeah turkey, and then you even gravy. like yeah you end up putting maybe like even like mashed sweet potatoes on it like things that oh, normally yeah, you yeah. wouldn't put like oh that's carbs on carbs and not like in a shaming way but that's just not normally something you do uh so yeah the thanksgiving that is like free game 
as far as then even when you're making even if you're not making a sandwich but if you're making the plate and you're just like everything is touching one another and that's even yeah oh, that's the great that's part fine, when yeah. you have gravy touching the cranberry sauce and it's just so good but for me i mean i guess if you want to be traditional you would just have kind of like a dinner roll kind of bread but for me i like the thanksgiving sandwich and the brioche Ooh, like, yeah like that's that's my preference of thanksgiving sandwich nice yeah. Oh, speaking of brioche, I wanted to bring this up to you on or off air, because I, I told you to watch the Impractical Jokers, and we watched a little bit uh, together, um, the Impractical Jokers dinner party. But the last episode they did, it was Sal's turn to host, and he had everyone make artisanal PB and J's, and they looked so good. <laughs> Bri- uh, amazing, like French toast swans, brioche. That's awesome. Uh, crumpled, uh, of course. This is a big party, Phil. I was going to ask you. I'll, I'll put this to you now. In the show, you know I'm a big fan of Practical Jokers, and I feel like the guys are my friends because I watch so much of it. But <laughs> in the show, the the show before, when Sal announces he wants everyone to bring interesting PB&Js, Q says, I don't like peanut butter. So Sal says, you can substitute that. What would you think he brings the next week? Or, or, so what, as a foodie man, what would your suggestion be as a substitute, maybe for peanut butter? Like, I, if and and but you you you're definitely using the other part, which is the jelly. Look, that's all you know. That's all you know. Uh, most likely, I'm gonna do cream cheese. Then I'm gonna do like a bagel with cream cheese and jelly or something. Yeah, I mean that would be a logical thing. The guy brings a maybe butter? meatball parmesan what sandwich. Yeah, they put jelly on it. No, no jelly. He's like, oh, when you said substitute, I thought you could substitute the whole thing, so I took another comfort food. Oh. I yeah, mean, that's bullshit. No, that's bullshit. I mean, I wonder, obviously, obviously, in a narrative sense, that, like, did they do it as a gag? You know, like, you know. I, it didn't seem like it, because they were all like, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the lady, Mrs. Calabash. Oh, yeah, Mr. Mrs. Calabash, who lives next door. So Mrs. Door. Calabash made him that. But guys out there, foodie fans out there, it's, check out yeah. Impractical Joker's Dinner Party. Just a bunch of friends talking. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. I should have started doing that in a proactive way to talk to people. And make yeah, and apparently it's continuing. I thought it was just going to do like for four weeks, like if each one gets a turn. But they're just doing it until they feel like they don't want to do it anymore. And it's like current <laughs> in a sense that... Last week's episode, or like this week's episode, was filmed last week. They don't like do them back to back or stuff like that. Okay, that's cool. It's cool because it's current. It's not like they're shooting a season and they're and then they're releasing the season. It's like one week at a time. You know, they film it, they edit it. Yeah, I guess. It, yeah, it's, I guess it's easy enough. They're all just filming on like the you know they had their as Sal was having a hard time in the first episode. Just had you know <laughs> the setup sent to them. Uh, he's so helpless. He really is. <laughs> He's just like they've all grown up like so much, or you know, and yeah, he's just really helpless. Yeah. So d- yeah, uh, not, you know, I need to check out plug. more of those. Epi- I just watched those two episodes with you. Yeah, I think there's like at least two or three more now. Nice. I'll definitely check that out. Well, Brian, uh, thank you so much for coming on, and thanks for watching Fatso. It was fun talking about it. Um, just I love I love I love some Dom de Louise and maybe this wasn't the silliest film of his, but I, I enjoy anything usually that he's in or just enjoy seeing him in something. 
I guess. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like, I was not disappointed in this, in the sense that I got to see him in a great film that I'd never seen before. And again, I give you a list of films. Now, I'm not saying I claim all those films. It's your show. But... You have some fun ideas, though. You're a good idea, man. And I think <laughs> since it was your idea to do the, uh, the the Friendsgivings, and I think we have, from what you said, uh, I mean, there's even, I'm sure we'll do more friends episodes uh oh yeah and cover those at separate times but i I would like to keep a thanksgiving tradition with you and some of the things you suggested started giving me ideas so uh but i also like what was uh you know you suggested your two films for today's recording and i think we got to do that other one don't don't say it now but i think we got to do that other one as well i agree for sure. And I feel like I've said this on air before, and this isn't taking anything away. I definitely plan on talking the trip films with you. And I just watched uh, the first trip with Danielle the other day, and she had never seen it before. And she was like, this is weird, but this is funny. I'm like, yeah, no, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a quirky like movie. And in a few moments, she was like, oh, this is you and Brian. Like, And there's never, like, it's not you're Steve Coogan or I'm Steve Coogan and vice versa with Rob Brighton. But just, like, that closeness and, like, friendship and just joking around and a little bit of, like, one-upping at some points and everything like that. It's just a good... I think a lot of friends have yeah, that relationship. Definitely. And that's what's so great about that film. Yeah. And that, the, the series. series the say. series, exactly. Well, the series, I guess, in the sense of the British sense, and then the series in the in the movies that I think the rest of the world gets to uh, enjoy. I would love to see how they have it in TV format. Apparently they're, they have more scenes. Yeah, too. that would be awesome. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Please, you know, right now, uh, you know... Tell the people about High School Slumber Party. High School Slumber Party, also on this very network, the Cage Club Podcast Network. We are plowing along. I don't know when this episode comes out, but we have ended recently our sophomore year. So we're into our junior year, and we're in the summer, right? If this is, Do you think this is going to come out in the summer? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we are in our babysitting summer. I didn't send the kitties to summer school this year. We're doing babysitting movies every Monday. We'll, we'll still do high school movies every Friday, but Mondays will be for fun babysitting films. you got to earn your keep. You're all juniors now. you got to start paying some, some rent here. We're not going to give you allowance anymore. Yeah, you got to save money you know, for the car you're buying or for like, you know, your, the, the beach house you're going to rent for a week to celebrate the end of the summer with your friends. Yeah, know, something who knows? To do in you high know? school, I don't know. It's your money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you could also check both of us out on P.S. I Love Hoffman, the Phil Simmer Hoffman podcast. Yes, always, always fun to talk. That's that's my main man right there, Phil Simmer Hoffman. Some uh, some iconic food scenes with him. So uh, I know I know we've definitely talked at least one of those, but. I, I love everything Philip Seymour Hoffman and always love talking with you on Foodie Films, so thank you again. And if you don't mind reminding the foodies out there that there's more to cut. There's more to cut. Awesome. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet thing to 